0: Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News,
1: 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Oh, obviously, we are sprinting towards an election tomorrow. A lot of people have already voted, but the polls will be open and it's expected to be a big turnout. Joining us right now, Republican candidate for Governor Kerry Lake. Kerry, welcome back. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking the time out. I know you are sprinting over these next couple of days. Can you give us kind of an overview of the message you're taking to voters between now and Tuesday to get them to the polls?
0: I think it's pretty simple and plain. I mean, times are tough. Gas is unaffordable. Groceries are unaffordable. Our 401k is disappearing right before our eyes. We can't afford our bills. And this is Democrat policies driving us into the ground. We have a wide open border, drugs pouring across. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people have poured in to Arizona illegally, and we've got problems in our education with our kids not getting properly educated. If you like the direction things are going, then you're probably going to be going with my opponent. If you want to see a change and you want to see a better life here in Arizona, where we keep what makes Arizona amazing and prevent what ruins California from seeping in, then you got to vote for me and the Republican ticket. And we're just getting out there and getting out the vote today. We haven't slowed down been on the campaign trail for 524 days and have been to every corner of this state, talked to every, almost every person it feels like, and we're ready for tomorrow. We think it's going to be a red wave, Mike.
1: Is there anything that surprised you on that campaign trail for all those days? Is there anything you you knew going into this, uh, it was kind of a new thing for you in some ways, but was there anything you learned that surprised you?
0: You know, I've learned so much. I learn something every day from the people. I guess. I mean, what surprised me uh, when it comes to issues was just how bad the situation at the border was. I knew it was bad going in, you know, but you don't get a lot of coverage on a lot of the media. And being down there, seeing it with my own eyes, that has been shocking. Um, other surprising things are watching so many Democrats that I talk to say. I'm walking away from the Democrat Party. Actually, that party walked away from me. I don't recognize it. I'm surprised by the number of people who are approaching me telling me that. And so, I mean, I, I felt like uh, we get independence, but I'm really surprised by how many Democrats are just kind of throwing their hands up saying, this is not what I signed up for with the Democrat Party. And uh, on the good side, just the, the spirit of the people of Arizona, we're such hardworking working people. We are independent you know, minded. We want our freedoms and liberties. And what we've been through the last few years has been unimaginable on some levels and cruel on other levels with the COVID restrictions and businesses being shut down. And just that willingness to keep moving forward and persevere. I think we are set up with great policies and that spirit of the Arizona people to do amazing things once we get the right leaders in place.
1: This weekend, the story came out about some suspicious uh, envelopes that were mailed to your campaign office. Can you give us an update on what's going on with that?
0: Uh, they're in the hands of the FBI being analyzed. They felt that whatever was in the envelope was um, you know, concerning enough to do some analysis on it. And so far our our staff are doing okay. I was not in the office when this happened. I've been out campaigning, so I didn't even see any of this. Um, but apparently it was a couple of letters, one that got opened up and and some of the powder got out and, you know, then it got thrown into a garbage can and got retrieved. So when you do all of that, it kind of gets moved around. And I know that it was um, concerning enough that the, the folks over at um, FBI wanted to analyze it. We had police there. We had the bomb squad did a, a sweep of the building. You know, it just shows you what dangerous times we're living in. This is not the first threat we've had. It won't be the last. We're going to be doing big things, and we will continue to be threatened because the people who we're trying to uh, push out, the corrupt ones, and the folks who are, are, have cartel interests are not going to go quietly. But I'm okay with it. I'm strong and we will not bend and we will not cower to these people who are trying to destroy Arizona.
1: Well, can you give just a bit of clarification? I know it's probably not the biggest of deals in all of this, but uh, the report originally was said that your campaign said it was sent to Quantico. But there was some kind of clarification. Do you know where they sent that for analysis?
0: I I was just told yesterday, last night, actually, my team... um, Updated and said apparently it wasn't sent to Quantico; it was sent nearby. And I'm I don't know if it means that the FBI office is here in town or if there's another center in in the southwest that they do this kind of analysis. I'm I'm not sure. And I frankly have been so busy campaigning and running around, I haven't inquired. But I'm happy to look into that and get back to you.
1: So I, I, yeah, I'm just we were just curious because it was just a point of clarification. Um, you you talked about the threats. Were, are you surprised by some of the vitriol on both sides? We know it's been vitriolic. People People get crazy on both sides sometimes. Has that surprised you?
0: Um, that has. I mean, I have had t- my tires slashed. I've had four and five inch screws drilled into my tires while I'm out campaigning and my car is parked. It's gotten so bad. I've, my, we, we, It's almost a joke how many times we've had to replace tires on this campaign trip because of things like this. Um, we actually have to have somebody who physically watches the car while we're inside campaigning now because people are trying to sabotage our safety and our security. The levels of security I've had to bring on is, is pretty surprising, but I don't want to be somebody who is hiding behind security. I want to be with the people. I'm going to be a governor that represents the people of Arizona. The people of Arizona will be my boss. I'm working for them to restore the government back into the hands of we, the people. And so I don't want to be so um, hidden behind security that people can't access me. But it is pretty frightening when you think about the level people will go. I mean, Lee Zeldin running for governor in New York, a man jumped up on stage and tried to stab him. We're seeing these kind of attacks all over mm-hmm. and we need to bring down the temperature and get to work and do the people's business. That's what I intend to do. And hopefully after this election, things will calm down.
1: What is your expectation for election night? Because, you know, people are saying that usually it's going to be the Democrats that vote early. So the first drop may favor some of the Democrat candidates, but then the Republicans will start catching up because then. Person voting is that what you expect and what do you expect the final numbers to look like
0: we're pretty impressed right now with what we're seeing with early voting already we think it's do, it's a lot better than we thought it would be for republicans so we're already looking at early voting turnout and who's returned their ballots and we're impressed with what we're seeing and we believe there's going to be a huge red wave on election day i go to events mike we'll have 400, 500, 700 people there. I ask, show of hands, how many of you are showing up on Election Day? And 90% of the room raises their hand. So people are going to show up tomorrow. I just hope that our election officials are prepared for it. It's going to be, there there are going to be a lot of unhappy people. If they're running out of tone or running out of ballots, running out of this and that, they better be prepared because there's a red wave coming tomorrow. We believe we'll be the winner's uh, election night. And um, we're ready for that. We're ready for it.
1: All right. Last question is about um, uh, Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state, recusing herself. Do you believe she should? I mean, there was a statement that you made that she should recuse herself. Do you believe she should?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think Democrats feel she should. This is crazy. And I've been calling for her to recuse herself since July of 2021, a month after I got in. It's a conflict of interest. It's unethical. And we already know that she's incompetent, Mike. She's, she's shown that she's incompetent in many ways in her role as Secretary of State. I mean, she only showed up for work 19 out of the last 19 days out of the last six months. She's had the Secretary of State's office closed for more than two years because of COVID. It's still closed. You have to go online to do business. She's screwed up with the with the primary election, when they ran out of Republican ballots in Pinal County, and they ran, it's just constant incompetency with Katie Hobbs. And we're going to vote her out of office and send her back to the private sector. I think that's where she belongs.
1: Carrie, it's always good to talk to you. I look forward to the results tomorrow night, and hopefully sooner rather than later, we get results of these elections. And I wish you the best of luck.
0: Thank you. We you know, we deserve election results on election night. This waiting three and four and five and 10 days is crazy. And I think everybody wants a fair, honest, transparent election with quick results so we can all know in our heart of hearts that things were fair. And I appreciate you having me on.
1: All right. Thanks, Kerry. That is that is Carrie Lake. She's candidate for governor, Republican, candidate for governor. Obviously, tomorrow's election day. Uh, get out to vote. Uh, you can check online at the Maricopa County Recorder's uh, website for wait times and places where you can vote. I actually voted on Friday at one of the early voting centers. It was very easy to do. Um, I was in and out very quickly. So make sure your voice is heard. Make sure you vote. Go to KTAR.com slash Arizona Votes to see all the interviews and stories we've done with and about candidates. Coming up in a moment, why are educators leaving the classroom and running for the state legislature? We'll talk about that in just a moment.
0: Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the
1: KTAR News app. Hey, I appreciate you spending some time with the show this morning. Um, education is a frequent topic, and there was an inch couple of interesting stories talking about a shift in votes. Obviously, we're talking a lot about the elections, but why people are shifting in the direction they are. Now, a lot of Hispanic voters, uh, a lot of, I would say a lot of non-white voters have been shifting Republican. Now I wouldn't say it's gonna be in huge numbers where they're gonna be the majority. Of Those voters will vote Republican. But there has been a significant shift for a number of reasons. Part of it is the border reason. But there is a story that says GOP gaining support among black and Latino voters, according to a Wall Street Journal poll. One of the reasons is. Education, freedom, school choice. Here's a story. Um, says, I was a Democrat who worked for a teacher's union, but I'm voting Republican for education freedom. Now, this is just obviously anecdotal, but there are a lot of people that are looking at Arizona's new ESA expansion and is looking at education freedom and school choice. And I believe if this model works in Arizona and we all, the couple of things I think are important to note. If there are things that need to be tweaked and fixed, they need to acknowledge it and fix it. That Nothing is perfect, but to um, give up on it would be silly. I think that it's going to work wonders for Arizona's education and for the competitiveness. I think that for teachers out there, if they are looking at this in reality, it is going to increase teacher pay as well. Now, let me explain why. We pay tuition to go to college. If you go to a, on a college campus, you have to pay tuition. And we also know that big names and important people that take jobs on college campuses are paid lots of money to teach classes because it brings students and it brings those tuition dollars with them. And I think in our public school system, the teachers out there, and there are many teachers in Arizona that are superstars in their field, that truly are excellent teachers. And those excellent teachers are known by the students and they're known by the parents and the parents love to have those teachers in the classroom well when it starts to be a competition well we know we have a teacher shortage there's no doubt about that but the high quality teachers are going to be able to demand more money because students are going to follow them wherever they go and I think that significant shift in that, not just alone but in a way is going to help teachers demand higher pay because school administrators understand that the lifeblood of a good education are good quality teachers and if students and parents are removing their children and the tax dollars from schools, the teachers will go somewhere else and students will leave unless you have high quality teachers at that school. Now, you know, I I just think there are many parents are going to keep their kids in the public schools that they are already in and there won't be anything wrong with that. But there will be enough of a shift of people leaving underperforming schools or schools where there is a rift between parents and the school district for a number of reasons. You know, it's not just that I think – everybody's going to agree with me politically and that's what everybody wants. That's not true. If there is a school district out there that has a lot of these more progressive ideas and curriculums and parents want their kids in that setting, that's going to be available to you. But it also gives opportunity for school districts to shift back to a more traditional curriculum and those schools will be available for the parents that want to send their kids to those schools. And I think that is going to be the key. There is a reason, and this is one of the things that's fun about the teachers uh, union. Unions, they call them here, but they're not really. They're teacher organizations. Um, I want to be clear about this, too. I have invited many of them on, and a few have taken me up on the offer, and I appreciate it that they do. I love the debate. I don't always want to talk to people that agree with me. I prefer to talk to someone who disagrees. I've had some really reasonable conversations where we totally disagreed with Save Our Schools and other organizations. I have invited the leaders of the teachers' unions on this show for years, Without any response of a positive response about talking about this, but they're going to have to acknowledge, at least behind the scenes, they have to acknowledge that there is a reason why charter schools and homeschool and micro schools are also immensely popular. And there's a reason for it in Arizona. And until they acknowledge that they have an issue in that regard, they are never going to be successful. As long as you say the way we're doing it is the way it's supposed to be, we just need to throw more money at the problem, and if we throw the money at the problem, it'll go away. It's not true. It's not true around the country. Everything changes. Technology changes. The way we do everything in the world changes. The way we educate our children is changing as well. And I think school choice is a big part of it. And I'm anxious to see how this all plays out. Coming up in a moment, Ron Wolfley joins me. He's from the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports. He's also the voice of your Arizona Cardinals. It is Bird's Eye View, next. room head talks cardinals with color analyst and former cards fullback ron wolfley oh my digging the chili of what the cardinals are mixing up bird's eye view brought to you by az valley windows arizona's most trusted window replacement company since 2004 all right joining us right now is ron wolfley welcome back ron i appreciate it bro So let's talk. Uh, Cardinals started off hot. They scored a touchdown. First drive. Looks like they were going to cut through that defense like butter. And then it all kind of slowed down from there. What happened? Yeah,
2: that's a great question. Uh, listen, they came out. Um, they had uh, intensity, of course. The urgency was there in all three phases, offensively, defensively, and in transition with special teams. They looked good. Um, actually, won the first quarter and scored on their first possession. That is the first time this season they actually took the ball, went down the field, and scored a touchdown on their first possession. So it looked like they were ready to go, but. Uh, As we all know, that was not the case, bro.
1: Has Cliff Kingsbury lost this team, in your opinion?
2: yeah you know what that's a question that uh, I'm going to ask him in regard to the players because as a former player that's the one question that you've got to ask at this point in time Um, I will be talking to Cliff Kingsbury today at 145 and I just have to ask him does he feel like he's lost the players in that locker room does he feel like he's got the support of the players because that really is a big deal right now I will tell you this because I know where you're going with that Um, I am not going to fire Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not going to do it because I don't believe he's lost the players in the locker room. That's my own opinion right now. I will ask him that. But... um... It's not only that, I think he deserves the opportunity to see if he can't right the ship in the second half. You signed him to a five-year extension. You signed him to a five-year extension for a reason. You fought big picture. He was definitely going to be your guy if you're Michael Bidwell. So to me, I'm going to give him the opportunity to fin- finish the second half of the season. You got eight games. At the end of those eight games, I'll go ahead and make a determination if I'm Michael Bidwell as to whether or not I'm going to bring him back.
1: So let's uh, – the reason why I asked that question is watching the sidelines again yesterday, I, we, it, was, it was obvious that teammates were kind of bickering between each other on the sidelines. And where you would want a team, you would hope that it would be an us-against-the-world mentality. If we're going to win this, we're going to change this, we're going to change it together. It looked as if they were kind of a team divided, and I, that's why I was asking that question. Did you see the same thing, or am I – is that just something I saw?
2: Yeah, no, I I understand you're talking about the DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray on the sideline. Is that the one you were talking about right there? Yeah, you know, for me, listen, that happens all the time. It happens all the time. I can't tell you how many jaw-to-jaws, I've already told you this, I believe, how many jaw-to-jaw confrontations I had with teammates on the sideline. It happens. It's going to happen. But having said that, once again, um, it's about how you play. Many times... Those jaw-to-jaw confrontations are needed. You have to be able to do it, and many times that becomes helpful for a football team to clear the air, so to speak, but... You know, I don't know what specifically they were talking about, but I can tell you right now that that was not a concern to me.
1: All right. So another question about the future for the Arizona Cardinals is they have been able, they have been able to attract players like DeAndre Hopkins or J.J. Watt to get people to come to this team. Is it starting to be a hindrance with Cliff Kingsbury at the helm here, whereas there are players that don't think the Cardinals are going to win, so they don't want to go there?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, you'd have to ask some players that are out there i I don't know what the mindset is of some guys that are free agents or are going to be free agents. I don't know um I do know that uh Cliff Kingsbury for the most part, is a player's coach so um i don't I don't know how to answer that question. I don't think that um he is an in uh an impediment right now to uh, actually bringing in free agents. So I don't think that is the case. And honestly, Brew, right now, that should be the last thing you're thinking about if you're the Arizona Cardinals. You've got to think about this two-game window that it still exists in front of you. We were talking about the three-game window last week. Yep. Seattle, L.A., in LA, of course, and then Mexico City, where you're going to play the 49ers, and and we we both were talking about the fact that you needed to win two of those three games. That was it, right there. You had to win two of these three. That possibility still exists right now, even though it doesn't seem very likely based on what we've seen. We've seen from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, the Seattle was at home. That was the most winnable game, I think, for them right now. But the possibility still exists that you beat the Rams in L.A. and then somehow, some way, find a way to beat the 49ers in Mexico City. And now, all of a sudden, everything that you still may be able to get is in front of you if you're able to do those. But, boo, it's turned games number what 10 week 10 and 11 into must win games for the arizona cardinals right now you're in a must win situation i think because otherwise uh, it just doesn't seem you have any possibility of turning the season around
1: all right so you get to wave the magic wand what does ron wolfley do to right the ship with the arizona cardinals
2: Man. Um I go out and I sign two stud tight ends and I line up and just start putting Kyla Murray under center and running the ball. <laughs> I start running the ball. Um, I start running it and attacking it with 12 personnel, 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends. Um, I, I start attacking the line of scrimmage a whole lot more and using play action to throw the ball down the field, take some shots. That That's what I would do. But once again, if Kyler doesn't like being under center, if Kyler doesn't like the fact that uh, play action sometimes, standing in the pocket, um, making reads of the secondary, after he turns his back to the line of scrimmage. If he doesn't like that, if that makes him uncomfortable, then you're fighting an uphill battle.
1: Let's talk about the defense before we close it out because I, the defense still seems to be such a bright spot for this team.
2: Yeah, you know, they for three quarters, man, they kept them in this game. For three quarters, they battled. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it was a close game. It was a competitive game. And then all of a sudden, uh, that fourth quarter came rolling around, especially after Zabin Collins and the pick six. They scored a touchdown once again. It was huge for the Arizona Cardinals at that point in time after Zabin Collins intercepted Geno Smith and took it back for a touchdown. But after that, the Seattle Seahawks scored three consecutive times, three consecutive possessions, three consecutive scores for them. One of them was a 13-play, 81-yard drive that took six minutes and 46 seconds off the clock in that fourth quarter, and they ran the ball. They got into power personnel groups, and they ran the ball in a north-south fashion the vast majority of the times. The plays they were running, they, they, they just... They just beat the Arizona Cardinals on the line of scrimmage in that fourth quarter, and that was sad to see because the defense had played so well for three quarters.
1: Yeah, they sure did. They looked like they'd just gotten tired. You know, they were just kind of yeah. worn down. Yeah, yeah.
2: Sure. And that's what happens. That's one of the reasons why, as an offense, you've got to be capable of doing that. If you need to run over somebody, you've got to be capable of being able to run over somebody. If you need to throw it 50 times a game, you've got to be capable of throwing it 50 times a game. It's the reason why you want your offense to be versatile and not one-dimensional.
1: Amen. Wolf, it's always great to talk to you. I look forward to hearing your interview with the coach today. Okay, buddy. Thanks, man. That is Ron Wolfley in our bird's eye view segment of the show. Um, he was over on Arizona Sports of the Wolf and Luke show. Uh, so we'll do this each time the Cardinals play. We get an update from Ron Wolfley, and it's one of my favorite subjects. I love talking with Wolf about anything, but especially about football. Coming up in a moment, James Clyburn says if you don't vote against election deniers, you're a Nazi. We'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. Most proud pet parents have photos of their furry family members. How's that for a read? We want to see them. Send us some photos for your pet. You win $100 gift card. Head to the contest page at KTAR.com for full details. All right, let's talk about uh, vitriol. Let's talk about Rhetoric and let's talk about election deniers Um, and I'm not going to – I don't know that there's a correlation but I want to go down a road with you just very quickly and here's the road. Uh, Rhetoric on the right leads to violence against people on the left, that people on the right that say hateful things and hate speech, uh, calling uh, the mainstream media, calling them fake news, um, made it dangerous to be a reporter. Well, what we've been hearing about is election deniers and all of the rhetoric about election deniers and how what horrible people they are and, and how scary it will be that our democracy is under attack and we could lose our democracy, the former president and President Obama. Uh, making those claims here in Phoenix, we could lose our democracy. Well, now you got James Clyburn, uh, the representative from South Carolina, made this statement.
2: I've studied history all of my life. Okay. I taught history. And I'm telling you, what I see here are parallels to what the history was okay. uh, in this world uh, back in the 1930s. So, Congressman in then... In Germany, in Italy.
1: Okay. Are, are voters, though, out there listening to this message to infer from what you're saying, that if they don't vote for Democrats in this election, that they are somehow supporting something akin to the rise of Hitler?
2: No. If they don't vote against election deniers. They don't vote against liars. People who lie know full well they're lying. We all know they're lying. This was the cleanest election in the history of the
1: country. Okay, it was the cleanest election in the history of the country. I am not an election denier. I never have been. I have been very. I've been beaten up for a long time by my own party, saying that the election denial was the wrong path to take. I didn't like the way our audit was done, but to call people that are denying the election dangerous, I also think is absolutely the wrong thing to do. A threat to democracy. January sixth. You mean to tell me the guy in the uh, in the Fred Flintstone water buffalo lodge hat and a loincloth cloth face painted screaming at the moon was threatening our democracy. The fact of the matter is there are people out there on both sides of the aisle that are extremists and they're dangerous to a certain extent, but they're a danger to democracy. And as far as voting against election deniers, I understand that Hillary Clinton is not on the ballot. Hillary Clinton released a video a week ago saying Republicans are already trying to steal the 2024 presidential election. I could play you the audio again of where she said it. If we are going to go after election deniers and call them dangerous to the country, then we have to go after both sides of the aisle. Stacey Abrams is running for governor in Georgia. She is an election denier. She is an election denier. So it it is rhetoric. I think it is rhetoric. But if you're going to be someone that says rhetoric on one side of the aisle is dangerous to people on the other side of the aisle, you've got to say both. Now, I believe, based on history, that whatever that white substance that was sent to Carrie Lake's office is probably a hoax. It is probably just somebody pulling off what they believe is a funny hoax and trying to scare people. But if you believe that saying horrible things about people leads crazy people to do crazy things, that was the narrative before we found out who broke into Katie Hobbs' office. Katie Hobbs said that. Katie Hobbs said that it was the rhetoric of Carrie Lake specifically and her campaign that has led to death threats and all these other things happening against her. Now you've got rhetoric that happens on the other side. You've got Kerry Lake on the show this morning saying that, hey, listen, we've had our tires, we've had uh, screws screwed into our tires, we've had our tires slashed on this campaign. And so do you blame the left's rhetoric? You've got now a former president of the United States saying it's dangerous. You now have a sitting congressman from South Carolina saying that election deniers are Nazis. That this looks a lot like Nazis. So, you've got both sides of the aisle throwing around the word fascist. You've got both sides of the aisle throwing around the rhetoric about danger. So, if one side has to knock it off, why aren't we screaming that both sides have to knock it off? And I'll explain to you why it is. Because if you're someone on the left, you believe they're right. Therefore, their rhetoric isn't lies and inflammatory, it's just telling the truth. Well, welcome to the other side of the coin, because on the opposite side of the coin you're on are people on the right that believe that they are telling the truth, that they are not saying things that are inflammatory, that they are trying to educate people. But it's still violent rhetoric. It is still unnecessary rhetoric. We should be talking about issues. Uh, We should be talking about who's best equipped to solve our problems. If you look at the campaigns and you look at what's happening, how little of it, how little of it is actually about directly about the issues. And then when you hear from the candidates on the issues, if you hear from the candidates on the issues, then you should be able to decide which one is best to lead this country or this state. And that's where we're at. This is where we are right now. We are in a place where rhetoric and violent rhetoric, I wouldn't say violent rhetoric, inflammatory rhetoric, whoever mailed that letter to Carrie Lake's office is an idiot. I think we all would agree with that. It It is a childish, horrible thing to do, even if it's a hoax. It's a dumb thing to do. But it certainly isn't Katie Hobbs' fault. It isn't Jim Clyburn's fault. It's the fault of the fool that did it. But if you're going to blame the right for violence against the left, you've got to blame the left for violence against the right. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, how far do people go to make ends meet?